What is up, fam? I feel like it's been a hot minute since I recorded a solo episode. So, here we go. This is going to be the confessions episode. Q Usher confessions, but also not that serious or juicy. Um, I don't know. This The idea of doing a confessions episode popped into my head one day, like most things do. Because I love... I'm a big proponent of looking back and taking stock of like what your year was like. And like I'm a huge fan of Spotify Wrapped. I think it's like a big personality test to see. Like I could look at what my top five um, artists are or my top songs are and know like what I was going through in that moment that I was listening to them. So I think having some type of wrap up is important for your own self-growth and important for conversations because you're never alone and I feel like I have learned so much about myself in this past year both business-wise and personally so why not confess to some shit and give you some chisme about what's going on in my life so this episode is mostly going to be stream of consciousness i was about to say copiness how funny (laughs) stream of consciousness um and i have some things that i specifically want to talk about because i guess they were the most like impactful moments aspects uh shifts that have happened throughout my year but here goes hope you enjoy So whether you're new or you've been around for a while, whether you follow me on Instagram um, or you just started listening to this podcast, whatever, it is no secret that last year was one of the toughest years of my life mentally and emotionally. I went through a lot of anxiety. I went through a very big bout of depression and it just was not a fun year and a lot of that stemmed from um 2020 and just a lot of things that I've gone through in my life so anyway this year I feel like was a complete 180 from that in the sense of how I felt and how I coped with the year and some of the things that I went through um so last year I took part in a year-long mentorship that was all about helping me step into my healership And I've always considered myself a space holder throughout my whole life from like working with clients to being with friends. I'm always that person that has like the random people come up to them in the middle of the street and they tell me their life story at the hotel. I literally know so much about people that like I shouldn't know. Um, I, I know it's part of the energy that I put off. But anyway, I've always been a space holder in my life and I've always had this capability to be able to hold space for people and to exude some type of healing energy to them. So last year I took part in a year-long mentorship with Hudson Mind, Body, Spirit and it was amazing. It was life-changing and it completely gutted me from the inside out because not only were we learning about how to help other people and how to hold space for other people, we were learning how to do it for ourselves. So it was a lot of self-introspection. It was a lot of recognizing and acknowledging patterns and um, self-details, some good, some bad. I don't want to 
I don't want to label things as good and bad, but that's just what I'm going to say for the sake of saying it. Um, but it was a really big just upheaval of who am I? What am I doing on this fucking planet? What do I want to do? What have I done in the past? What do I want in the future? It's pretty much like a midlife crisis, I guess you can say. But all the while going through that, I, I knew that it was a phase that I had to go through in order to get out of it, if that makes sense. So, you know, last year, I immersed myself in every type of healing component that I could in every type of uh, self-reflection, learning, you know, I was taking tarot courses, I was taking courses on ancestral veneration, I was taking courses on mediumship, like pretty much anything I can get my hands on that help, that would help me build the tools I need to um, step into my healership and any type of spiritual practice and psychic abilities that I may have, because I think everyone is a little bit psychic. Um, I was doing that. I was full blown. I was 110%. And because of that, I burnt myself out from it. So by the end of the year, I was so depleted from doing so much self-reflection and so much self-worth, worth work that I felt like shit, pretty much. So during these during this time of learning all these tools, I wanted to offer it to people. So I was offering different type of healing sessions, whether it was Reiki or tarot readings um, or journaling practices. And I loved it. It helped a lot of people. It helped me grow into my healership to help a lot of people move through what they were moving through in their emotions. And it was great. But this year, I completely stepped away from that. And part of it made me feel like I'm abandoning this part of me and almost like a almost like a little bit of a fake. Like I, I offered these sessions and I did these things and I held the space for people and then I just decided to not to. But I literally could not do it anymore. And throughout the year, I've realized that there is so much healing that happens outside of circles and containers and courses and true healing happens during like processing and integration periods of real life it happens when you're actually going through the motions of the mundane and not concentrating on the knowledge of it if that makes any sense um you know, there's a lot of processing that has to take place before the integration period even starts. And I feel like I fast forwarded that processing stage and I skipped directly to the integration period, which ultimately led me to burnout. And I know what burnout feels like. I've burnt out before with my first business. I've burnt out before from just life in general. And that's what I was feeling. So that's what really made me step back from offering any type of healing services or healing sessions. Um, and instead of that, what I did was the end of the year, I started talk therapy and I started going to therapy and I started digging into childhood trauma that was holding me back from a lot. I started digging into patterns and uh, relationships and all of the things that I, that kind of came to the surface during this mentorship and it helped me 
process, start to process all of that. I also stop journaling every single morning. And if you have been here for a while, this is when you cue the gasp because I am such a huge fan of journaling. I'm such a huge fan of writing. Journaling, writing saves lives. It changes lives. I stopped journaling every morning. There was a point I started the year doing morning pages where every morning, no matter what, I would always write down three pages worth of stream of cop copiness, stream of consciousness, whatever it was. And I stopped that. And it wasn't a I'm stopping this on purpose. It was just a kind of natural stopping to where I sporadically do it now. And I found self-care in different ways. I found caring for myself outside of traditional healing practices. And I say that with a grain of salt. So rather than, you know, sitting in Reiki circles or Reiki shares or doing any type of coursework to learn, you know, I found self-care in being outside. I felt self-care in sweeping my back porch, in uh, creative nonfiction writing. I found self-care in being more intentional about spending time with the people that I care about and making connections with people that I don't know and being with my dogs and being with my husband, being with my new neighbors and making this new home a home. So I, I just found self-care in different ways. I still think that journaling is one of the best things that you can do for yourself. Um, talk therapy is one of the best things that you can do for yourself. And I know that I can feel that pull, my intuition kind of bringing me back to really tap into my practice again. And that's going to look different than what it, what it was. And that's important too to realize that our practices and our rituals and routines can shift as we do. You know, my morning routines used to be super rigid and I used to be really um, – almost like obsessive with making sure that I got them in and what they looked like and what they were. Now they're more in flow. Sometimes my morning routine looks like laying in bed for four extra minutes and taking 10 deep breaths. Sometimes my morning routine looks like getting out of bed, rolling my face with an ice roller, then taking the dogs on a 20-minute walk before I go to work. Sometimes I don't have a morning routine. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. And it's surrendering and allowing myself that permission to know that it's okay that those things are going to evolve as I do as a human. Okay, deep breath. That was confession one. Confession two is a little bit more on the business side because I finally realized that running a business is not the most important thing in my life. And for many years, it was. Through all of this self-reflection and existentialism that I definitely felt over the past few years, I realized that having a mindset like that, that my business was the most important thing, I definitely, and this is even hard to say and hard to admit, put my relationship second, put my mental health second, put my physical well-being like not going to the doctors for years at a time, sorry mom and dad, 
second, because my business was the most important thing to me at that time. And also looking back, thinking about how much I threw myself into my business was definitely avoidance of digging into the things that I was afraid of, like, you know, looking at a future and like dealing with the childhood trauma that I went through. Um, to me, running my business, yeah, it was amazing, but it was, it became my identity. It became my identity and that was something that I never thought that would happen to me when I quit my corporate job. I, that was never the intention was for me to become my business and that's completely what happened. So over the past year and a lot of it, I can absolutely accredit to this huge move that we did from the Northeast all the way down to the weird ass state of Texas. I realized that life, life itself is so much bigger than the identity of running a business. And this is speaking firsthand. This is my realization. And maybe it will, you know, resonate with some listeners. But life itself is so much bigger than a business. And we live in a society where so much of your identity is tied to, you know, what your title is, what your job is, how much money you make. And I've always prided myself on not putting myself in a box, but by being so attached to being a business owner, I was putting myself in a box. I was putting myself in a box of, you know, being a female entrepreneur, which I'm still very proud of. I was putting myself in a box of hustle culture, which I am still detaching from. I put myself in a box of my business is the number one thing in my life. And I, I say this from a place of privilege where my business does not have to be the number one thing in my life when it comes to putting food on my table and taking care of my family and paying my bills. For a while it was though. The, for a while I had to work multiple jobs and make a certain amount of money to make sure all of that was fulfilled. And now I'm at a point in my life where it doesn't have to be. Um, I have found that the older I become, and I'm aging myself here, I'm literally only 34, I'm not old at all. You're only as old as you feel. Um, But anyway, I found that the older that I've become, my wants and my needs have changed both personally and professionally. Like when I first started my business, it was very much like I want to be number one at what I do. I want to, you know, make a good amount of money. It was never about money for me, but I always wanted to make a good amount of money that I was able to do things. I wanted to show up. I wanted to be out there. I wanted people to know who I was and what I did. And people did know who I was and know what I did. But as I get older, I kind of like don't care if anyone knows what I do. The the allure and the illusion of people kind of not knowing what I'm up to these days is kind of cool. I'm kind of feeling it. 
And I've also realized that it is a very, and I would be so interested to hear or to talk to other listeners about this. It is a very Northeast thing where when you're having a conversation with people, one of the first things they ask you is, what do you do? I feel like down here in Texas, I hardly ever get asked that question. And maybe it's just the settings I'm in. Maybe it's the circles I'm in, which are not many circles because I really have like no friends down here um, except for like two or three. But that question is not presented as much as it was in the past. And that has made me think so much about how we really attach our identity to our jobs, specifically how much I attach my identity to being a business owner and how once that changed, I kind of felt like I was lost and I didn't know how to identify myself. Um, I've stopped acting like my business is the number one thing to me because I've also realized that creatively, I want to be fulfilled in a way that doesn't feel monetary. I have always said that if you take your passion and put it on the line of making it a career, of putting it on the line of it paying your bills, it's putting it on the line of resentment. And some people might disagree with me on that, and that's fine. But I know firsthand, my passion was fitness. My passion was helping people. My passion was just connecting with people. And for a while, I resented that because it was what paid my bills and it was what was making me work 80-hour weeks and it was what was so draining energetically, emotionally, and mentally for me. So I've realized that creatively I want to be able to create at leisure. I want to I want to create passionately and not because I have to, because I want to. I want to be able to write creative nonfiction and put it out to the world just because, not because it's going to help me pay my bills. I want to be able to make candles for my friends from recycled, um, other recycled candle holders without having to sell them to pay my bills. And having that realization, once again, has kind of allowed me to surrender to, okay, my business does not have to be the number one thing in my life right now. Confession number three is that feeling content has been my new state of happy. And that might sound a little emo, but I am a Nandi's kid at heart. Um, But a feeling of what does content, ask yourself what does content feel like to you? I feel like the word content has kind of gotten a bad rap because I know when I think of content, I just think of like mediocre. I think of good enough. But what if that word, that definition was uh, blah, that definition was reframed, that content was exactly what it needs to be. Being content is exactly where you need to be, exactly what you need to feel, and it's just that. It's just being. It's living simply. It's being happy. It's being healthy. You know, since the beginning of this year, there have been 
so many moments of feeling content in my life. And at first, it was super uncomfortable. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that over the past two years, there's been so much dread and anxiety in myself. And also that feeling of content is kind of like, okay, what is this? This feels cool. This is great. This is great. I'm like good. When is the shoe going to drop? And as I've started to accept and surrender that content can be whatever it needs to be, that shoe may not drop. It's just living. It's a very like nine of cups feeling. It's a very comforting feeling of every I'm fine and not the like sarcastic I'm fine with the dog sitting in the kitchen on fire which is still one of my favorite memes it's the actual I'm fine I'm good I am content in saying that you know there's this year has also caused like upheaval and unknowing like I literally moved we moved our life to Texas to a place I've never been in a matter of 30 days that was a lot of unknowing. There's still a lot of unknowing. But truly, every day you wake up, there's an unknowing. If you want to get real out there, I can say that. And that's the truth. Feeling content kind of feels like you just are where you are. And that is good enough. And it feels like a relief to be okay with that, to not live in the extreme, to not live in that black and white thinking, just to be in that mediocre thinking. Um, My good friend Alyssa wrote a newsletter today from her very amazing, I'm sorry, Nola just decided to play with her toys. Anyway, my friend Alyssa has this amazing newsletter called With Love from Charleston. Um, And she writes every week and she wrote today about how like there's a hot mess phenomenon and it sparked me thinking about this hot mess phenomenon because I feel it too. I feel like there's definitely times where I've lived in that I'm a hot mess narrative because it was just easier because it's kind of like trendy. It's kind of cool to be a hot mess, right? Like, and yes, sometimes I'm a hot fucking mess. Right now I'm sitting in unmatching uh, sweatsuit. Can't remember the last time I washed my hair. Um, I'm like snacking on random shit from the cabinet and drinking the gross ass water. Like sometimes that state of hot messness is just what you know. But also sometimes that state of hot mess, you can get so used to being in it that you're just like, this is my life now when it really doesn't have to be. And I think that takes self-reflection and that takes that in-depth looking of, am I happy in this position that I'm in or is this just what I know? Just like any other state of being that you can be in. And that's not to discredit humans who are going through some type of anxiety or some type of depression or some type of really huge upheaval in their life that maybe the hot mess stage is just where they're at but Alyssa explains it a lot better than I do in her newsletter but there is this I think there is a romanticism about being a hot mess that maybe is getting a little outdated and 
I've realized this because I've, like I said, I've been in that position. And now that I am out of it and I'm feeling more content, it feels really good. And it feels, I don't feel bad about feeling content. I don't feel guilty about feeling content. And I know everyone's situation is different, but that's what self-work and self-reflection is all about. Confession number four, which is something that I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs won't tell you, but I am 10 years into running my own show and this year I got told no way more times than I got told yes in my copywriting business. The amount of pitches, the amount of proposals that I sent out to people that I either got zero response from or I got half-ass no or just a straight-up no was way, way higher than the yeses that I got. And that's just part of the game, babe. That is part of running a business. And it's not ironic. It's very on point that the clients that I have worked with have been so aligned and so, I guess you could say, dream clienty. But it is your, what holicism likes to say, your failure tolerance. If you want to make bigger moves, your failure tolerance has to be bigger. And my failure tolerance was pretty damn big because I got told no a lot. And at first it hurt. At first it felt like a gut punch. But then you kind of just get used to it and you kind of realize that this is just the way it is. And I have worked so hard on knowing that my my worth and my validation and how good I am at what I do is not based on if people want to work with me or not. It's not based on if someone is better than me or not. It is based on continuing to know my craft, to continuing to hone in on my craft and to really, really get good at what I'm good at so I can use that magic for other people. And I think a lot of being afraid that, of, of hearing that no is the fear, is the fear of being told no. But I've tried to adapt the mindset of what is there to lose. And once again, I say this from a place of monetarily, yeah, there was a few points this year where I had to, this is a confession inside a confession, I had to turn to my husband and say, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills this month because I am not making the income that I was. The other confession is that it's taken me years, years to ask for that help and to be able to say that. But reverting back to this being told no, it's thinking about what do I have to lose if I do get told no. There is, without taking that chance of being told no, there's no real evolution that could actually take place because on that other side of no is a yes. And when you get a yes, that's how you grow. When you get a yes, that's how your confidence grows. When you get a yes, that's how your craft gets better. So for every no that I got, 
with every yes I got, I know that I was able to, number one, help my clients in a way that made their lives easier. Number two, get better at my craft. And number three, feel like I was, I am fulfilling this next step, this next evolution of what my business is going to be, which is helping conscious creators with their copy and with their content and taking that away from them so they don't have to waste their time and energy on it. You know, I think inherently, for the most part, we want to improve at what we do in life. We want to get better at what we know already, what we do. And I think also as a creative person, that shifts. So like, I know for example, like one day I'm like, I want to take a creative copywriting course. The next day I'm like, "Ah, I want to take a creative nonfiction course. The next day I'm like, I want to learn how to grow snake plants in my living room. Like that creativity of knowing more and being better just continues to evolve as you do. And it's acknowledging that and it's acknowledging that every next step that you take, every next version of yourself, there's going to be space for yeses and nos. And just because you're told no does not mean that you are a failure. And yes, I am talking to myself here. Just because I was told no does not mean that I am a failure. But if you take anything away from this podcast, from these confessions, remember that. You are going to be told no more than you are going to be told yes. And that's okay because with every no comes growth. On the side of the other side of a no comes yes. And I guarantee you that yes is going to come from something more aligned and more in your orbit for you. All right, if you've made it this far, you've made it to confession number five, which I feel like kind of stems off of what I was just talking about. But this year, I didn't focus on growing my business and my business did not grow. And I'm talking about monetarily, I'm talking about audience size, I'm talking about community-based. My business did not grow. And as tough as that was to realize in the beginning, looking back, I now know it was in divine timing. You know, I had every intention of growing my business this year. That was going to be the main focus. And then the universe was like, nah, bitch, I got other plans for you. Pack your bags. You're moving to fucking Texas and you're going to grow personally rather than professionally. And at first that was really hard for me to swallow. And now I just get it. Now I just giggle at her. She knows exactly what she was doing. Um, in full candidness, when it comes to numbers, when we moved, I lost about 80% of my income. I was still working with clients one-on-one when it came to training. I was doing some other things. So I lost a really big chunk of my income when we moved away. Once again, I'm very, very lucky that I have a partner that supports what I do. I have a partner that financially is able to fill that gap. And this was also you know, one of the first times I had to accept that. Another thing that I worked on a lot through therapy was asking for help and being okay with needing help and knowing that in a true partnership, that's that's acceptable. That's what partners do for each other. They support each other in different ways. 
so that was a huge, you know, swallow your pride, Vanessa. You have an amazing partner who's going to help support you in this as you do it. It still is hard at times, but throughout all of that, I have taken my full-time business and it's pretty much part-time now. And I'm not afraid to say that. I don't feel ashamed at that. There was a lot of tears. There was a lot of um, self-pity for myself. There was a lot of feeling like I failed when I made the decision to take my business back to part-time. And to be honest, it kind of just happened organically. There wasn't a point where I was like, okay, I'm going to do this part-time now, blah, blah, blah. It just worked the way the divine plan was supposed to. I picked up a part-time job that I truly enjoy that has nothing to do with anything that I do. If you've listened, you know that I um, work at the front desk of a hotel. If you read my Substack, you know some of the stories that go on. But this job has taught me so much about how it doesn't, once again, have to be all about your business all the time. And it fills the void of, Yes, it fills a monetary void, but it also fills a void of socializing in a new place where you don't know anyone. A reason why I decided to pick up a part-time job was because I felt myself slipping into a really bad mental space when I was just working with myself all day, every day. You know, we moved down here to this new place and Alex goes to work at an office, so he's not home. When you, and if you are a solopreneur, you know this. I know you know this and I'm here for you with this. You're working by yourself all the time. You're in your head all the time. It can be really hard to disconnect. And when your business is not going the way you want it to go, it's very easy to slip into that. I'm not good enough. What am I doing wrong? Why is everyone else getting picked over me? I definitely had some of those moments this year. That ultimately was the thing that made me realize that it would be in my best interest in many ways to get a part-time job and what drove me there. And I am so happy I did because not only do I feel like I have money again to be able to support myself, I feel like my creativity is working in different ways that it hasn't worked in a while. I feel inspired in different ways that I haven't felt. And it's a almost like a relief and a surrender to admit that I'm not running a business full-time anymore. And I don't know if I ever will. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll continue to work at a front desk for the rest of my life and just get some really great stories. Maybe I'll get a different part-time job in a few years from now and continue to run a business part-time. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm glad that I got over myself and realized that just because something wasn't working out the way that I thought it would or I wanted to, it does not make me a failure. So now that I've confessed all of my sins to everyone listening on this podcast, Um, I just want to mention some new discoveries that have helped me through this year that have really been great 
tools to tap into. And maybe they're not so new. Maybe they're things that I've had all along, but I really tapped into. And the first thing is definitely therapy. Starting therapy at the end of last year when I was probably in the deepest, darkest pit of my hole. Therapy helped me so much in number one, just being able to talk to someone who doesn't know me, who doesn't know anything about me or my relationships and getting a very outside view of it. And number two, giving me tools to help deal with my anxiety and help me see the bigger picture. For someone who only sees a close picture, being able to see a bigger picture was actually exciting for one. Another thing, and I've mentioned it a few times, is creative nonfiction. I've jumped into taking these these feelings, um, these anxieties, these whatever it is inside of me and channeling them into stories and I should also say creative fiction as well. I've started channeling, if I'm feeling a certain way, those ways into a character in a story. That's been super helpful and super fun, especially to read back and to be like, damn, I was feeling some type of way. Um, being outside, being outside, especially in my garden. I don't have a huge garden. I plant some flowers that have actually made it through the 150 degree weather that we had down here in Texas. I have some herbs, but just being outside in general, feeling connected to the earth, feeling connected to fresh air, feeling like I am a part of the actual ecosystem that we live in. Finding a part-time job that has nothing to do with writing or content. That has helped me turn my brain off from it. That has helped me meet some really interesting people that has put me in some very strange situations but it's been so enjoyable and it's been so brainless and it has relit my soul and my compassion for people it has made me realize that maybe I don't hate people as much as I thought I did sometimes I do because some people are fucking assholes but for the most part People are super cool and people just want to share their story. And when you listen to someone's story, they appreciate that so much. Uh, this podcast, this podcast has been such, it's been super fun. Um, I've always, if you've listened to the beginning, I've always wanted to start a podcast. And it was one of those things where I was just like, I don't have the time or energy. And this year I was like, yo, I got the time and energy. Let's do it. I've had so much fun connecting with so many awesome entrepreneurs and conscious creators. I've had fun doing these um, hot takes, doing the hot seats, and I'm really excited for the next season, which is going to be a lot more streamlined. Um, I have some ideas. I'm going to be working with an amazing coach, Chelsea, obviously, who was on this podcast a few episodes ago, and I'm really excited to see what the future is going to be. And as for the future, I don't know what it holds because none of us know what it holds. But what I want it to look like is continued to be happy and healthy, you know, continue to grow our family to that next step and make some additions to it, continue to live in this contentness and allow it to manifest into different parts of my life. For the business, I would love it to grow. I would love to really connect with the community that is here on a deeper level, the community that has always been here that is so amazing. Um, I see workshops in the future. I see more copy offerings in the future. I see more guest episodes in the future. 
So there's some loose plans being made. Um, and actually the next solo episode I am going to shoot in a few weeks is going to be about how I plan for my new year as a goldfish brain solopreneur, but that's on another story. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed these confessions. And like I said at the beginning, I hope you know that you are never alone in feeling what you feel and going through what you go through, you know, as solopreneurs, as entrepreneurs, as women, which I think a lot of listeners here are female identifying. We tend to put ourselves second. We tend to take care of others first. And it's okay to flip it on its head and reverse it. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself before you take care of your business. Because without you, there is not going to be a business. Um, I'd love to hear what you think about this episode. Feel free to drop a voice note. Feel free to drop a review. Have an amazing weekend. And don't forget, adopt, don't shop, and don't be a dick when it comes to your dogs. Later, fam. Okay, fam, thanks for listening to the Stream of Copiness. You can find resources and links from this episode in the show notes at the Stream of Copiness About Me page. If you felt like this episode hit you on a soul level, you can give the podcast a follow or leave a little love by writing a review. And make sure to hop into the Conscious Creators Collective, the digital inbox community for your weekly dose of sarcasm, elder millennial musings, and of course, copy tips. See you out there, boo. Blessings.